I'm Willie Miller. Hi, I'm Seth Coe. I'm Kevin Mackey. Hello, I'm Jonathan Mackey. Hi, it's Grant Hackett here. Hi, I'm Sharon Spring from the Wallaroo. I'm Azuma Nelson. I'm Gashilin and you're listening to Not the Footish. Yes, you are indeed listening to another podcast of Not the Footy Show. I have to say, probably a special one because we've got two guests lined up for you today uh, because there's a very important election coming up. Anyway, I'm Ashley Morrison. I'm John Lane. Well, John, they say sports and politics should never mix, but sometimes politics are very deeply involved in sport. And as you know, the FIH has its Congress taking place at the end of this week where we're recording. Oh, looking forward to it, Ashley. And there is a presidential election, and it's not quite like a Donald Trump situation, but uh, we've got two candidates, and I thought we would catch up with both of them. Try And I'm making no excuse for this, asking them pretty much the same questions so that we can get their answers on those issues and then leave it up to the listeners to decide who they feel is the man who should be king. I'm really looking forward to it, Ashley, having sat through the last one via video. Yeah, I sat through that. Fantastic viewing it was. I'm really looking forward to the action we get from the scrutineers bench as well. Yeah, they should send us popcorn, I think. It's not a bad idea. (laughs) You'd need a lot. Yes. And, of course, don't forget, you can catch all of the glitz and glamour of the pre-Congress entertainment at Billabong Brewing on Saturday <laughs> afternoon between 2 and 5 p.m. Oh, yeah, you've got a gig there, there yeah. Day, it's pre-Congress gig. It's to get everybody in the mood for what should be a fantastic occasion. It would be nice, I think, at the Congress, if you just had, like, a commentator a bit like you have at um, the Eurovision. Now, we need the two blokes off... Um, the Muppet Show, Waldorf and... Waldorf and Statler. Statler, yeah, we need them up there. <laughs> anyway, look, again, to be fair, because these interviews are slightly longer than our normal interviews would be, and I want to be fair, we're going to toss a coin, John, okay. uh, to decide uh, who will go, which interview will go first. So I'm yep. going to say heads will be Tyab Ikram, yep. tails will be Mark Coudron, okay? Yep. It's heads, so that's Tyab, isn't it? Yes. Okay, so we will run the interview with Taya Bikram, who is the CEO currently of the Asian Hockey Federation, and we will hear what he has to say and why he's chosen to run for the FIH presidency. Taya Bikram, welcome to Not The Footy Show. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley, for having me. Thank you very much. Well, I suppose the first question one has to ask is, what made you decide to run for the presidency of the FIH? Well, uh, that's for for me, it is simple to uh, reply that uh, I think it is a progression, what I have been doing for the last 35 uh, years. Uh, I had a footprint uh, of my work, uh, practical work, uh, physically delivered in five continents. And I think you find very seldom people uh, doing that, education, development, whatever you name it. And uh, I think I was attached to development uh, for uh, a long. And today uh, I had uh, still the same questions. When I speak to national associations, uh, we had the same questions about development. They don't have infrastructure. Uh, they had some questions on the events. Uh, they don't, they have uh, some less accessibility, less opportunities. And uh, that was, uh, I think it is better to change uh, a portfolio and uh, lead to this uh, uh, very valuable uh, organization uh, in uh, as president and try to 
uh, empower the national associations. I think uh, we it is not easy for international federation, particularly in pandemic. Uh, I think it was uh, very uh, a positive approach the way FIH recovered. I must say uh, from pandemic and one of the a few international federations that FIH made uh, a certain uh, a positive steps. But I think for me it is important that uh, we should go for. Uh, uh, more a voice of development in the FIH, and not only voice of development, but there should be a dedicated uh, uh, a segment in uh, FIH, if it is even financial model, if it is uh, about the strategy, it is about uh, our moving forward with our uh, objectives. I think development should be a core thing and it should be delivered. And we should uh, lessen the all these questions about accessibility, about less uh, opportunities for NAs. So there is a lot, a lot on plate, uh, which I would like to achieve, but that is the real motivation behind. Second thing, which people respect me, I know all over five continents, uh, people, they trust me because what I have uh, uh, <clears throat> done for, uh, for them or listen to them somewhere, okay? Uh, I think uh, I can safely say that no one has uh, that kind of attention uh, what I've been doing with five continents, uh, maybe not all the national associations, but I was with them all the time. And that is real motivation for me. And uh, people are uh, 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 trying to support uh, uh, my manifesto and uh, my motivation. When you talk about development, are you talking about developing the game so that what we're seeing is it played more in more countries and therefore more participation numbers at domestic level? Because it certainly appears to me that there's so much focus on international level, yet if the game is going to grow, we have to develop the, uh, national leagues in a lot of these countries or certainly competitions and help the national associations build their sort of playing base by having more competition. Well, uh, I think uh, development is, there is no end to it. I am talking about uh, three to four different kind of steps which need development at grassroots level, as you just mentioned, empowering the national associations at one side, that they should have a proper rights to participate properly with a proper input from coaching, with a proper uh, a smart infrastructure around, and uh, also access, access to the a proper uh, a professional uh, equipment and they have uh, the athletes should have the opportunity okay and I think in some areas athletes are completely ignored I will come back to you on that part and then the second step is is a development about uh, uh, on the events as well it is uh, that we we need to have engage more countries that uh, FIH events are more relevant for them okay and uh, it is not on one side. Uh, actually, I am uh, very uh, open to it that we today we call ourselves a big federation of 140. Okay, this is in, in the IOC. We are not very big, but we are reasonably big federation. Who made us big federation is 140 countries. And all these are 140 countries are getting the attention. My, my at this moment answer is no. So we need to work from their third-tier nations, try to involve them, engage them in development for second-tier nations, that if you now, we talk about uh, a, a pro league, 
Then we talk about uh, Nations Cup. It's quite unfortunate that we will not uh, not having a Nations Cup because of pandemic. Okay, that is a very positive step. But then it's full stop. Then we are uh, we are not having more meanings for countries like uh, uh, Poland, Italy. Okay, uh, uh, these countries where the, a former league which has some sort of attraction for them. But I think uh, we need to review our uh, events in a way that we have more accessibility uh, for uh, second and third year nations. And people feel that we are having a pathway towards uh, a, con a, a competition like Pro League. Okay, maybe Pro League is not their destination, but that is something, a pathway, we need to bring them closer that they can participate. But then is a question mark, because I spoke to people uh, even then you go down second tier and third tier nations when you talk about, okay, you want to have a continental event, you want to have international events, are you ready for that? That will be another challenge. We saw in our uh, World League, I have to be honest, I, if I will say now, I am five days away from my election, I said, we will go, I will give you events, okay? But we need to see the reality as well. How many withdrawal we have in the in our World League uh, tournaments, because people cannot even uh, uh, afford to travel. Okay, so those are those are the things which we need to design in a way that we bring the events to them. Okay, and uh, somewhere there, when people can afford, they can travel. So these are the one thing which is important. So it is a development on that level. It is we are talking still in the in the middle. I also would like to see how we can make a, a pro league better, okay? And uh, uh, how we can have uh, a, a, this top level uh, competition in a, in a different way or delivered in a different way. And of course, we are uh, up to now, what uh, we see in the pro league, uh, we had a lot of commitment uh, because now pro league is a top event for us other than Olympics and World Cup. So I think that is also something on my agenda to review in a way. So it is development on all levels. Okay. Yeah. I mean, do you think listening to you there and that there is definitely obviously an issue for a lot of these lesser second tier or third tier nations to get to tournaments, let alone hosted tournaments. But do you think the, it's the FIH's role maybe to give them models where they can find self-sufficiency? Because a lot of the sport around the country, even in the top countries like Australia, heavily reliant on government money and that's always risky as we've seen here the Australian women now have no funding because they didn't medal in the Olympic Games so there's something inherently wrong that the sport is not able to support itself in countries like Australia let alone in 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 countries that are not ranked in the top 20. Yeah well I think there is a segment in my planning which is commercial relations okay and uh, that I think uh, when I talk about commercial relations, it is not uh, what FIH can do to enhance and further strengthen the commercial relations. I think it is one thing which exactly the way you mentioned, it is to go to Australia, go to New Zealand, and uh, even, even in Europe, even in Africa, okay, and try to see those people who have uh, not only a sponsorship, but with, with other values, they can join the GWIN. But that I think this is also a role of international federation that uh, we can help uh, our countries to uh, establish those relationships. But this is uh, also a two ways uh, a two ways cooperation. 
Okay, and that is that is very clear. But at this moment, we are. Uh, I fully agree that uh, we are not doing that uh, right now. I know uh, it was an attempt uh, in the last before pandemic uh, in a couple of countries. But I think we need to we need to move uh, that direction as well. That people are self-sufficient. Uh, I had in Asia a model in Bangladesh right now. Okay. So Bangladesh is not running a pro league. Or Bangladesh is not uh, running another uh, a, a top kind of league. But now at this moment, Bangladesh is running their local league, having around three to four or five foreign players in each team. Foreign coaches are there. Right now they are running and they're self-sufficient. And they were able to get uh, a lot of partners and sponsors within Bangladesh. And this kind of model, I think this is what you are referring to. And uh, that is possible to bring these kind of best practices and solutions to our nations that they can have involved the relationship around them. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the, the words that's been going around, if you if you read the social media leading into this election, is transparency. And the, it appears that the hockey world want to have more transparency, whether that's clearer communication from the FIH um, or just, you know, a, a, a build up. I think there feels that there's a lack of trust at the moment. Maybe trust is too hard a word, but because probably those communication lines have broken down. How do you feel that you're going to be able to restore the faith in the hockey public um, at the top? Well, I, I, I think, uh, first of all, uh, there is no end to it, uh, uh, Ashley, if, uh, if that's something which you say, transparency, and all other things which are can be present, uh, communication can be improved, okay? Uh, but the, the, the social media direction, there is no end to it. That is something which uh, I, agree I with think, you there. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I believe uh, that we need to do our work and we have satisfied, uh, and to be very honest, when I say a lot of things FIH need to do, but one thing I must tell you that a SOIF questionnaire, FIH is one of the top uh, IF uh, who satisfied the questionnaire. And there is a big portion about transparency, about the governance issue, gender equality, integrity. All right. So I think that is something which is uh, FIH has uh, a very credible situation right now. But yes, there will, if there will be something to improve, certainly this will be discussed. And communication is one of the top agenda for me that... Uh, if there are a lot of uh, uh, negative uh, uh, communication, right? I think then how we can deal, we simply need to do or reflect what we are doing. And uh, that is a positive way to tell people what is happening. At this moment, uh, uh, we see a lot of questions, okay? And those questions are not addressed. And then when you are not addressing them, then you go into another phrase that people suspect now something is hiding from us. And then the last stage is the trust. Okay. So I think with the positive communication, that was exactly uh, my uh, advice to Thomas Park one time. And he replied to me that I have the good news is not a good news, uh, uh, really the bad news, which is more important for people. So that's something which we need to package it uh, somewhere. Yeah, I mean, is it, it for one example, is, is it appropriate that executive board members or executive committee members should still be allowed to hold positions with a national association? Because most organizations, once you get to that level, it's appropriate to step aside. 
for for me uh, that that's something which uh, uh, i don't see and we have a lot of federations having this kind of uh, structure in place okay and uh, when you are having uh, a package of uh, executive board uh, you need you need to have uh, a voice of national federations and voice of continental federations you need to have technocrat i i would say it is not an issue if those people are bringing in the a problem right now we have uh, a certain uh, members who are president of the national uh, federations okay and i think through them we get uh, a fantastic input what can be seen at the top nation of uh, a national federation okay because otherwise we are completely discussing our own problems and cooking our own problems okay so i see in the, that way a national representative of top nation or national representative of a development nation can bring a different portfolio uh, on the table so i i don't see but i take your question in a different way that i would like to see a more technocrat people with uh, uh, not only hockey but uh, global understanding of worldwide sports should be on the board people will will have another very specialized portfolio should be on the board okay and i think we need to add in uh, those kind of things uh, otherwise we will live in our world and we will die in, in our world so that is something which i say but for directly question to your uh, answer to your question i think uh, that brings some values as well Maybe well, as was, outsider, it, people don't feel it. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I mean, I, I could probably go on for a long time, but we've got a limited show here. But one thing that I think is is kind of sad, and it's not a reflection on you or the, the, the your opponent, Mark Coudron, but it, it get, you get the feeling that this election has become a little bit geopoliticized, that it seems to be that there's one region, you know, is fighting another region and, and people are saying we don't want that region to have control, which is a bit of a worry, isn't it? Because it, it shows that there's a feeling or there's, there's possible instability within the game. Well, I think uh, it all starts uh, from uh, actually uh, from the acceptance. Okay. Uh, I think uh, we need to develop a culture of acceptance each other. Me and Mark Codron are a fantastic relations. Okay. I was the first one to call him. Okay. If he has something, he can easily call me. All right. We were colleagues. He respect me a lot. I respect him a lot. Okay. And uh, he was uh, a person that who working with me as an executive board. So that, that's something which, uh, uh, we can see one angle of it. Okay. But this is not seen outside. All right. That's why your question is. But uh, the other side, which you see, if uh, uh, one continent think that it is not only uh, for them, but maybe it, they need to have this kind of acceptance at, for, for the others as well. So I think that that kind of thing which we need to we need to talk. It was not addressed uh, for the last maybe 10, 15 years. But your question is, can be in the FIH policy to address it. There is no answer to it right now, and there is no serious impact that uh, which can uh, maybe bring the thing somewhere uh, or to the end. No, it is not. It is uh, impression. This is a feeling of the people. But you are right. This should be addressed as a policy, 
And I promise you, I will be a voice of solidarity. I will bring people on board. Okay. And if they have different objectives that they need to complete, then there is uh, no solution to that. But I agree from where the question is coming. And just one last question, Tyab. I mean, obviously, if you get in, what what's the one thing you your really big goal? You've mentioned development of the game, but is is there another thing that you'd like to sort of bring to the FIH that when it was your time to step down, you'd go, that was my legacy? Well, I I think the uh, we need to uh, move this uh, FIH foundation. Uh, uh, that's something which we need to bring it back to its core business. Okay, FIH Foundation is just a name there now. Okay, and uh, I want to make it mobile. I want to move it. I want to involve people in this FIH Foundation that it can serve the real purpose of development. And that is one thing which I call my own, my agenda, activation of FIH Foundation. Okay, and uh, it is not serving its purpose. Which if you allow me, you ask me only one thing, uh, but the, if you allow me, I would like to go for a smart infrastructure in different regions uh, that if you don't have Central America, a single hockey pitch, okay, uh, we, we can bring uh, as an FIH, we can bring some smart infrastructure in somewhere in Caribbean also, in uh, Central America also, in South, uh, South Africa also, okay, and West Africa also. So this is uh, like a training hub, and together working with our partners, uh, we can establish those accessibility opportunities for those countries. And that's my second goal. I would like to see this happen, uh, if not in 2022, in 2023, because people are so thirsty about it. Last point, which should be the address one, athletes, we don't have at this moment uh, a proper a program which is taking care of athletes. Okay, we as an IF, we need to help our athletes uh, to to build their career, to help them professional education, provide them. We are why we are in Lausanne, why we are not somewhere else. Then Lausanne is an opportunity to have a network of 30, 40 national federations. How many hockey players are working in uh, swimming or in uh, other uh, international federations? Okay, it is a network of all IF presidents. You sit with them and tell them, I would like to bring two athletes per federation, okay, from uh, different countries to get their life skills developed. Okay, and you have some great partners around that you need to uh, ask them on board and help our athletes. Okay, and second thing which is uh, important for in within these athletes is mental health issues. Okay, we are not even bothering about it. Okay, education of anti-doping or other things are okay, but mental health is the most important aspect at this moment. We should deal and we should not sit and see. We should deal as uh, FIH, as International Federation. Well, Tyb, we've run out of time, but thanks so much for giving up your time, especially the week of the election, and uh, wish you all the very best. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley, for having me. Thank you. Hi, I'm Nicholas Jacobi from Germany playing for the Delhi Wave Riders. You're hearing Not the Footy Show. Well, that was Tyre Bikram, who is running for the FAH presidency even. And uh, John, obviously, 
I don't think there was anything too surprising there. I think both the candidates have got fairly similar uh, manifestos, I suppose you'd call it. But uh, looking to try and develop the game, that's the key thing. And we've got to grow the game. Look, it's just how we go about it, I think, is the key thing. Yep. Oh, well, I'm, I'll hold fire. It's not what the other side has to say, shall we? <laughs> I know you've got really fired up on your own podcast, The Reverse oh, Stick. Look, I've, so. I've already hung my banner up. As so to speak. I can um, see your look, badge on your top, you know. <laughs> um, we should listen to the uh, other candidate. We should indeed. So na- now we will hear uh, from Marc Coudron, the Belgian, who stood against uh, Narinda Batra and lost by just a couple of votes. And, you know, I asked him straight up, actually, what made him change his mind and run again? Well, Mark Coudron, welcome back to Not The Footy Show. Thank you, thank you. Well, I suppose the first question is, having been narrowly defeated in the last presidential election, what was it made you decide to run again? Well, it's a very good question, because uh, when I lost uh, from yeah, two votes last time, 61 to 63 votes, um, my decision was not to, to run again, uh, because... Uh, the next uh, elections will be in 24 normally, and um, it was far away. So I, I didn't think about that uh, at, uh, that mo- at that moment. And finally, uh, when the decision of uh, Narinder Batra to resign uh, in July uh, a few months ago, uh, when this decision occurs, uh, I was surprised. I think like everyone around the world of hockey and um the good thing, I think, is that uh, I was uh, on holidays at that moment and I had time to, to think with my family and uh, to think of I really want to do uh, to go for a second turn, a second run uh, for the presidency or not. And uh, finally, after very nice and deep uh, conversations with my uh, my wife and my children, we we actually all decided that it was what I wanted to do. And uh, and so, well, uh, I was very happy to, to run again for the second time. What do you see, you know, now you've made that decision as the biggest challenge facing the sport and the sort of, th- I know there's several issues there, but what do you see as the main one that you want to try and overcome first? Well, the, the main one, I think, is the development. Um, there is a... When I speak to, I've spoken to a hundred people, around hundred people in the world, um, and from countries like Malawi to countries like Canada or Australia or Italy, development came first, come first in the conversation. Uh, we have a huge potential in all the countries, not only the top countries, not only in the smaller countries of hockey, but in all the countries we, we have a huge potential. We are not high enough for the moment, not uh, big enough for the moment. So development will be, for me, the key. Uh, and I- I'm sure that uh, we have everything in hands to to, uh, to fulfill many, many uh, possibilities of development uh, in the, the next uh, in the next years. Um, well, it's, it depends on uh, on uh, the, the the will of different people, but I'm sure, and I'm very very motivated to achieve that because we 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 really have a huge potential, and that's why 
I, I want to, to, to run for the, uh, for the second time as a president of, uh, of the FIH. I, I think we, we have really, uh, lots of, uh, possibilities. When you talk about development, is that about making the game more accessible to more people? Is it having more self-sufficient, uh, running of the game in various countries? Because we are seeing a lot of countries like Australia where they're very dependent on government funding. Or uh, is that how you see it? Is it more about participation numbers or just being more self-sufficient and having better, the game better structured in many countries? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are different points, of course, uh, and the situation is different uh, in Australia than uh, in uh, in some um, smaller countries of, uh, of hockey, of course. Um, but development for me, has different uh, impact. Um, I speak, for example, about the, the water-based pitches. Uh, it's also a kind of development. We have to stop with that. For me, it's clear. We have to stop with water-based pitches to, to spend or to, to use 20, um, sorry, um, to spend, uh, to use 15 or 20,000 liters of water just for one game. Uh, and you can imagine the number of hockey pitches there are in the world. It's no more possible now, and it will become more and more a scandal in the coming years. So we have to stop with the water-based pitches. And I'm sure that with innovation, uh, the engineers uh, can develop new kind of pitches uh, without water with nearly the same quality or maybe a better quality. But it's also a kind of development because it's so expensive to, to install a water-based pitch in the world. In Australia, in Europe, but also in, in all the countries, uh, in the world. So if we can, uh, perform on a non-water-based pitch, it will be much less expensive to, to develop or to install a hockey pitch in the world. It will be much less expensive because there, were, there won't be any watering of, of, of the pitch. So at all level, it will be a kind of development because for some Smaller hockey nations like now, it will be much better to uh, to have a hockey pitch without water. It will be less expensive. So it's a, a way to go forward. It's not only about the, the hockey pitches. Of course, there are other other points uh, for the development, and uh, I can explain that um, in the coming uh, minutes. Of course, there are lots of things that we can do uh, for the development. But actually, what I want for the all for all the hockey nations is to build. Uh, what I call a, a virtuous circle um, to get more subsidies, to get more sponsors, to get more uh, members. Uh, that's something, a positive uh, circle, a virtuous circle for the, the development. But uh, I can explain that in details whenever you want, of course. <laughs> now, I mean, when you go to the pitches, it's funny. I mean, I've been shot down a few times, but I, I look at tennis and think, well, you know, they have their championships played on different surfaces why can't hockey go down the same path, which would make it mm-hmm. probably a really interesting prospect. And we then see who really is the best on all surfaces. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Like in tennis, that's right. With a different kind of surfaces. Um, yeah. For, for hockey, the big evolution and the very best evolution for hockey is thanks to the water-based pitches because it's much more quick, it's much more spectacular, and um, actually it's a, it's very nice for the, the evolution the evolution of hockey. I can't imagine that we go back to sand pitches like uh, it was maybe 30 years ago. It was very slow. It was very uh, un 
and yeah uncomfortable to to play on those on those uh, hockey pitches but i'm sure that we can find different kinds of surfaces uh, uh we we have to think about that that i don't have any taboo uh, for the development of hockey uh, we can begin with a blank page uh, and uh, and to think what what should be the the best solution for hockey in the world um and and we have Actually, four kinds of hockey now, hockey 11, hockey 5, indoor hockey, and why not beach hockey? That's the easiest way to, to play hockey because beaches and sands is over, it's, it's nearly over um, in, in every different nations in the world. So it can be very easy to install a beach hockey uh, field everywhere in the world. So, but why not indeed to, to play on different surfaces? Uh, it will depend not on me, but on engineers and innovation and on decisions for the, the, the best uh, of, uh, of, the, of our sport. You touched on obviously the sponsorship side so that if you can bring more money into the game, that makes it easier to help the maybe second or third tier nations in the development that, with that. If you look at the sport which it's always surprised me because it is such an exciting sport. It is a dynamic sport. Mm-hmm. And even people, you know, who watched it at the Olympics who hadn't seen it said, wow, this is a great sport. Yeah. Why are we not attracting those sponsors already? That's a good question. <laughs> of course, I don't have all the solutions, but um, what I think is that we have to expand the number of nations uh, playing at the World Cups. Uh, for the moment, we are the only collective sports with so few nations in the, in the World Cups. If you look at handball and football, it's 32 teams. Volleyball and basketball is 24. Rugby is 20. And we are only with 12 teams for the Hockey 5 and Indoor Hockey and 16 teams for the uh, Hockey 11. I want to go to 24 teams. We we have to, to expose much more nations to the top level. And um, I'm sure with that, and I come back to the virtuous circle, um, if more nations uh, could play or could qualify for World Cups uh, in all the three categories, Indoor, Hockey 5 and uh, Hockey 11, you you will receive immediately subsidies from the governments. We, you will receive the attention of sponsors, and and by the way, you you will have more more members also. So it's a, a virtuous circle: more members, more sponsors, more subsidies, more members, more sponsors, and more subsidies. Subsidies. So that's what I think it could be really interesting. But I have some ideas about the World Cup 24, not on the same uh, format as now, but uh, something much more interesting uh, that in order to to put all the games interesting, not boring, uh, boring, I mean, um, in the last in in the last games of pools match with four pools of six, you have the last games of pool match without without or nearly without interest. And that we have to uh, to avoid and to to make it very very exciting for for the spectators from the the TV viewers and and so on. So I have some ideas about that, but I'm sure it could be a, a boost effect for for hockey in the different hockey nations. We need more and new nations. Actually, uh, if you look at the at the World Cup since 40 years, it's nearly always the same countries. That's good maybe for those countries, but that's not sane. That's not good for the evolution of your sport. We need more nations. If you look at Chile, for for the, for example, now playing the World Cup uh, women and, and soon the World Cup men, it's good to have a new name. Uh, if you look at the Commonwealth Games with Ghana, the women of Ghana playing very well, it's important to to have more than one nation in Africa playing World Cups because 
there is a huge potential in Africa, but there is only one place for World Cups and for uh, Olympic Games. That's not enough in Africa. I take the example of Africa, but it's the same for other continents, of course. Now, I totally agree with you there. I think one thing that worries me a little bit is that the sport seems to have um, a lot of emphasis now on international hockey. And I, I wonder mm-hmm. if we've almost got too much in that it's been mm-hmm. detrimental to domestic products, maybe in the bigger countries, obviously. But, but I, I don't know if you agree with that, that we need to maybe cherry pick, you know, tournament mm-hmm. to, to really make sure that the ones that we have are giving us the best return. Yeah, that's that's a point, of course. That's a very important point. Uh, what I miss now uh, in the current calendar is that uh, there is nothing for the the teams after the 10th place uh, in the world. Uh, the OK Pro League takes it all, and uh, that's not good. That's not saying once more for the evolution of hockey. Uh, in the past, maybe the World League was not the best choice, but at least all the hockey nations could participate and have the chance to 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 climb to the highest level in one or two years and to uh, to be part of the olympic games or to to be part of uh, of the world cups we have to think about that and we we have to think out of the blue how we can have a, a second Chile in the future playing a World Cup, so why not Olympic Games? Or third Chile. Um, that's that's important, important for me that maybe teams uh, from from Asia, from Africa, from uh, from all the five continents could have also the, the chance to, to, uh, to go further. And once again, we need to expose those nations to, to tournaments. For the, mon- for the moment, OK Pro League for different reasons, um, yeah, that, that's a problem, actually. The OK Pro League is a problem because it's so expensive uh, for, for the, the, the different OK nations participating uh, in the OK Pro League, but also for the FIH. And that's not sane for the future. We have to think about different things, I, uh, I'm sure of that. And uh, I don't want to, to stop immediately with the OK Pro League. That's not what I mean. We have, but we have to think how to include the other nations, it's not normal to do everything for 10 nations and nearly nothing for 130 uh, nations uh, in the world. That's not, that's not sane. That's not positive. No, I, I agree with all you've said there. I mean, one thing that's been sort of bouncing around, there's been a word in this whole election um, thing, is the word transparency. People clearly mm-hmm. in the hockey atmosphere or around the world are feeling that there's either there's just not the messaging or they feel that there's information that's not coming back to them mm-hmm. how do you feel that you can improve that for the, the sort of hockey world that's a, a key point of my uh, presidency if i have the, the, the chance and the honor to be elected uh, within a few days now uh, is transparency uh, of course we we can't explain everything for, for, for from everything uh there, there are some points uh, who, who have to to stay uh, maybe uh um, discreet, I don't know the right words in, uh, in English. Confidential, uh, yeah. confidential, maybe, but that's uh, for the minority of the points. But certainly uh, at the level of the finances, uh, it's really important to, to have more transparency at the level of the FIH funda- uh, foundations, at the level of the FIH. Uh, we the transparency is, is essential, even and actually much more when the situation is difficult. It's uh, it's uh, easy to speak when uh, the situation is sane and, uh, and 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 positive. 
But when the situation is going bad, that's the situation now uh, uh, in the, the accounts of the, the FIH and the account of the FIH Foundation, we need to explain why. And we need to explain how we will solve that at short term or, or mid term. Um, if not, there are many <laughs> sources of interpretations uh, about that. And that's not good. That's not uh, positive. Actually, of course, uh, and that there, is, there are different reasons uh, for the problem of the finances at the FIH level, but um, that's the situation, that's a fact, uh, but we, we need to solve that at short term and to, to see how to do. Um, and to, to, to solve that, we need more transparency. That's for me key uh, for, for the development of hockey. To have a good development, you need a strong governance and a sane financial situation. And strong governance for me is with transparency, is with more integrity, is with a perfect balance between uh, the, the, the gender equality, it's more inclusion also, um, and the financial accounts, we are just, FIH is just um, the body of the different national associations, so we the national associations deserved, uh, deserve that transparency and deserve the strong governance. Uh, that's what I, I want to do for sure. One of the things I, I personally wonder whether it's appropriate now is to have on the executive board people who are still holding positions within a national association. I, um, do you feel that that is a conflict of interest and we should maybe encourage people to step down from those roles? I'm not sure it's a problem, um, but what I, I fear for the moment is the lack of union uh, and the kind of fragmentation uh, between the different continents or between different people around the world. Like I, I always explain, finally, we are just here to make some young girl and young boy from every single nation in the world to enjoy hockey with friends on a hockey field. That's the basis of everything. And after that, of course, there are different kinds of hockey. There are different kinds of approaches of hockey. There are different kinds of structure of hockey with championship, with uh, tournaments, with uh, university of, or colleges playing hockey. But that's good. That's good to be different. We, I don't want to impose one vision of hockey. Uh, of course, the situation is different in Tonga as it is in uh in Sweden or in uh, in United States, that's different, but it's not a problem. The problem is to avoid to see the things clearly for the future of hockey. Uh, I will take an example. We are actually on a on a highway, on a auto uh, a car highway. It for me, it's not a problem if some countries are, are a little bit on the left side or on the right side. It's not the problem at least we have to go the same way, a very large way. But nobody has to, to go backwards or, or uh, uh, another way. We, we need to go and to run the same way for the development of hockey, with differences. That's perfect. That's perfect. But you, we, we need to, to, to see clearly what we, we want to do. We, we have, I have a vision for that. I have uh, intentions for that. To, to, to make it bigger, to make hockey bigger in the, in the coming years, to make it better in the coming years. Not that a continent will clash with another continent, that uh, people will be against others. 
that's a loss of energy. That's a loss of time. We need so much uh, energy to, to develop the, the different okay countries in the different world and the different uh, okay nations. I mean, it's, that's the key. That's the key. Not, um, yeah, this, I, once again, this loss of energy of people uh, running against others. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very sad that it's got like that. And it, to me, that's a sign of a bit of instability. So whoever comes in is going to have to really try and pull the world together exactly as you that's right. there, and, and say, you know, yes, we've all got our differences, but if we're all going in the same direction as you did yeah. to, then we can do this together. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the union is important. Uh, the union with different forces, I mean, with different kinds of hockey, that's, but the, the unity of the union is, is for me, uh, really important. We can't afford to, to have different kinds of, uh, yeah, of non, how can I explain that to, to have different kinds of, um, controversial uh, forces, uh, around the table. Um, once again, there are, there are differences and that's so rich to have differences, but looking at the same way is for me the, the key and, uh, we we have once again a huge potential, and uh, I'm sure of that. I'm convinced of that. To 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 have everything in hands to 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 have something better. Uh, when you speak about sponsors, have ideas with uh, uh, public foundations, with uh, also private foundations. All the program can can be also resumed in ESG, uh, environment, social governance. Uh, for the development, and, and I'm sure that some companies, private or some uh, private companies or some uh, um, public entities, can be um, can be approached uh, for 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 helping hockey in the development we we want to to do. And I'm sure some of these nations that we're talking about who are doing things differently, they may have other ideas which can come to the table and actually help you achieve those goals. Of course. Now, I mean, obviously, yeah. we've got a limited time to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. a very busy man. Um, and I, I suppose the thing I was going to say is, is if you're elected, what would be the one thing that, you know, when you look back in years to come, you would like to be your legacy if you were elected? Well, uh, I don't want to be president just to be president. Uh, that's uh, maybe my legacy. I did say if. I did say if. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, if I'm president, I, I'm not interested in, in just being president uh, for for the, the glory of that. Uh, that's uh, not uh, what I, I want. Um, I will be very, very, very happy if uh, after my term of president, if I'm the next president, uh, there will be more members in every single hockey nation. There will be more uh, competitions in uh, every single nation's uh, of hockey. And uh, finally, there will be a World Cup with 24 in different hockey, uh, the different kinds of hockey, uh, five indoor, uh, maybe beach and hockey 11, of course. Uh, I have ideas also for uh, other other ways uh, and uh, at other levels, maybe also for Olympic Games. I'm sure we have uh, everything enhanced and uh as you know, I, I'm, uh, I can be uh, naive and idealistic, uh, but in idealistic, you have ID, and I remember that IDs, uh, uh, I have uh, plenty of IDs to, to develop hockey in the coming years, and I'm sure we, we can. And, and also for that, I'm a man of confrontation of IDs. 
uh, and I'm really, really open to um, to different ideas from different persons around the world, uh, not only in the EB, but uh, from different kind of people. And that's so interesting, actually, the confrontations of ideas. I'm not a man of confrontations between persons. That's a lack of energy, like I said. Um, the only confrontations I like is the confrontations of teams uh, on the hockey field to, to play for the victory. That's uh, the, the best way to, to, to do. But confrontations of ideas is for me the key because I don't have all the solutions in myself, of course not, uh, but speaking with different people, speaking with uh, uh, different not only, uh, like I said, different people from all sports, but also from other sports, because we have to learn from other sports too. Uh, it's it's uh, so important. It's so, um, yeah, once again, uh, for the legacy, a better, a better hockey world uh, within a few years. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time and uh, wishing you all the best for the election at the weekend. Thank you. Thanks a lot. See you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Chris Sorello from the Kookaburras, and you're listening to Not The Footy Show. So that was Mark Coudron, who is running against Tyre Bikram uh, for the presidency of the FIH. And as I say, I'm making no excuse that a lot of the questions were very similar to the ones I asked Tyre, and the reason for that was really for fairness to both of the candidates because I didn't want to try and make it out that I was trying to assist one of them in any way in what they're trying to achieve. So where do you sit then? I've, I've, I've already stuck up for Kudron. Now, in some ways, I, there's some things I don't agree with him about, but there's a whole lot more I don't agree with Ty about. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is, is I think both actually, and I'm not sitting on the fence here, I think both have, there are, there are pluses to both their arguments. I tend to lean towards Marc Coudron in the main for what he's achieved with Belgium. I look at that, he's got the runs on the board. Tyab will argue that he's got runs on the board with Asia. And there's some good stuff that he has done in Asia. There's no denying that. Just as, you know, if you look back at Narinda Batra, he did some wonderful stuff with India, the way he lifted India from where they were, not qualifying in Beijing, um, to where they are now. He had a lot to do with that progression. And I don't think anyone can deny that. And the Hockey India League, I think, had a massive part to do with that. So there's good and bad on both sides, you know. But uh, I just feel at the moment, I don't know, I think Mark Coudron's financial smarts, because he comes from a banking background, I think he can get the finances in order. And to me, the FIH finances, we need to know what's going on with them. First and foremost, we need transparency on that. We need the accounts to be explained where some of this money's come from, where it's going, what it's being spent on, and where we're going to bring more money in. And I have probably more faith that he can sort that out than I do with Tyre, and that might not be fair, but that's my, where I feel. Okay, I hear one candidate talking about clubs and players, and I hear the other candidate talking about IOC and Olympics and stuff. And for me, I think we've gone past the point of relying on the Olympic movement to keep our sport going. We've got to branch out, and we're not going to do it under what I believe would be Tyab's reign. It's going to be more of the same. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you, heard, you, know, you heard me how say... How much will change with Coudron, I don't know. But at least there's some sort of blueprint there for there to be change. 
Yeah, I mean, you heard me saying that. I, I think we have a massive problem in the sport in that so many of the national associations are so caught up in that their funding is reliant on their performance at Olympic Games or qualifying for World Cups, etc. Now, as Mark said in the interview there... And it runs on a four-year cycle. They never think further ahead than getting the next yeah. Olympic grant. And look how many CEOs bugger off in that Olympic cycle. Um, that again annoys me that the boards of the national associations, especially the one in Australia, I will say that, I don't have a lot of competent, um, faith in them, to be honest, uh, in that they allow that to happen. So why don't you actually appoint a CEO in the two, if you're only going to have them for four years, appoint it in the two years in between. But saying that, I mean, again, what I liked when the interview with Mark Coudron there was, again, he was saying if we can bring in, if we can increase the number of tournaments these people are playing in, then we can bring in more sponsorship, which will then hopefully help fund them to make it more affordable for them to do it. Now, I've just come back from the Sultan of Johor Cup, where the South African team, a lot of them had to pay their own way to get there. They had to fundraise to get there. The coaches weren't being paid anything, John. And one of the coaches, and I'm not going to say because I know he wouldn't want me to say it, he has actually contributed money towards some of those players so that they could participate in that tournament out of his own pocket. And yet you saw how well they played in that after the first game. The first game they were in, in a bit like a rabbit in the headlights, but boy, did they adjust. And there is a, t a team that has talent. All they need is someone to invest in that they can actually come together for a camp, that they can even actually train together for a certain period. They can't even do that because the distances are too far to travel. They haven't got the money. They haven't got the sponsors. They haven't got the support. And if you think South Africa is supposedly the strongest team in Africa, there's something wrong when, if that's the case. So how would increasing the amount of international hockey they play? In no, but if you, if you can bring in more sponsorship money and there's more money coming in... Okay. Then suddenly, and you know, and also if there are more teams, I think playing, then they're going to get more exposure, which is more attractive, therefore, to a sponsor. Whereas at the moment, they don't get much exposure, do they? Sooner or later, all sports are going to have to face up to the reality that um, international travel leaves a huge carbon footprint. Yep. Having large-scale events with huge light towers enough to provide the light needed to run television broadcasts is going to leave a large carbon footprint. Now it's not quite at that stage yet, but we've seen rumblings of it already. Um, and it's only going to increase in the future. Yeah. So it's now maybe not the time to be thinking about increasing the amount of carbon footprint the sport leaves. Is it now maybe not the time to be thinking about how we can decrease our carbon footprint? Look, I think that's there, but, but what are you going to do, John? I mean, I would say, yes, go back to the old way of having tournaments where they last for a fortnight or, or a week or whatever, rather than something like the Pro League where you've got teams crisscrossing across the world. To me, it's far better to do why, that. Why not invest more in having strong domestic leagues? That was it, raised with both the candidates. And, you heard and that. And if you've got strong domestic leagues then that, that can generate income for their athletes, because don't forget, we're not talking about, oh, we have to play international hockey so our athletes can remain on the humongous salaries they're currently on. There's no. none of that stuff going on. You know, so uh, uh, this clamouring more international hockey as a way to grow the game, I think. No, no, we'll, we'll, no, we'll, but we talked. Well. That was touched oh, yeah, on in yeah. those interviews, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that necessary. I think there is too much of that. I totally agree with you, and I think that you know 
that's actually devaluing and, and it's undermining the domestic competitions in the various countries. Well, it was deemed more important for young Australian players to go and play in the Sultan Johor Cup than it was for them to be playing in our own flagship domestic league. Yeah, that's going down another path because uh, yeah, I know because I, I mean that if it was the AHL, with respect, yeah, if it was the AHL, I'd feel a bit differently. Well, it is. I'd, it's replacing the AHL. Yeah, but I'm not sure I quite feel it has the same kudos. No, it doesn't, but it is their flagship event. Yeah. Anyway, the, the, if it was their flagship event, then you'd think they'd invest more into it. Well, gee, we know what we're talking about in the next podcast, don't we? <laughs> Maybe sponsorship as well. We'll throw that one in. No, but but th- this is this is again. I mean, it, I think it comes down to John, and this is with the FIH, it's with Hockey Australia, it's with every nation. You have to have a business plan, and part of that business plan is how you're going to market either the game, how you're going to market the events that you've got teams participating, how you're going to market individuals. You know, and if you look at hockey, doesn't do that very well at all. No, I'd agree with that. You know? But anyway, two gentlemen running for the presidency. We wish them all the best. Well, get your popcorn ready, folks. Break out some Coca-Cola for Jing and um, sit back for what should be a thrilling evening's entertainment. See ya. We'll be back next week.